What inspires you as a musician? Oh, wow. Um, I would say uh, the world inspires me, I guess. Things that are going on, uh, the state of things. Um, if I'm being honest, my, my inspiration normally is peaked by more, um, I don't want to say negative, but uh, uh, I, I, I'm, in, I'm inspired to speak about the more troublesome, taxing, um, unnerving, unbalanced aspects of the human experience rather than, um, I mean, I think that there's, there's definitely things to be gleaned from positivity and, and uplifting music and whatnot. And I think that's amazing, but my voice, my art, uh, kind of takes its form from addressing that which we tend to uh, downplay. Yes. And I honestly, I agree and don't feel bad because a lot of artists I talk to say the same thing, like whether they're a painter or they're a songwriter, a lot of artists get their... Um, inspiration from you know aggression or things that they feel there's something wrong with like say for instance the black lives matter movement you know what i mean yeah there's a lot of injustice in the world you know i don't know who added miss rona to the group chat but we need to get her out immediately <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's just so much going on until you know you can't help but to pull from that source well, you know yeah, absolutely um, but then at the same time, and I don't want to sound like a pessimist because I, I'm not a pessimist at all. Um, <laughs> I, I really am not. I, I have high hopes for, for humanity, but I do believe that in the course of human events, <laughs> it's these dark chapters that kind of pull out our deepest truths. And that's what my music is inspired by. I think that we learn a lot about ourselves um, and we learn a, a lot about the, the spaces we inhabit in times like this, because we are forced to do a lot of inward reflection and then apply that reflection to, or you know, outward toward our, our immediate circles. So um, I think right now, a lot of people are making very radical transitions for themselves, like personally. Um, I, and, and that can be extrapolated to apply to uh, groups, organizations are, are reconfiguring themselves, reassessing themselves um, and reprioritizing, mm -hmm. you know? And so where those chips fall when this chapter is over, I think is a, a, uh, or at least like forecasting where those chips would fall is a better indication of who we are as a society and, and a species, frankly, um, rather than just sort of like, this is bad, you know, like saying, you know, right, creating a piece of art that's that just reflects, you know, this is bad. That's, that's important. However, um, I think art that art that purposefully takes this time and holds a mirror up to itself in order to discover a little bit more about who we are in times like this is a little bit more productive and and that's 
and and more true to its function, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Now, who are some of your influences when it comes to music? Like, who do you like take from? Wow. Um, well, I'm classically trained form first and foremost. So, my mm-hmm. my inspiration comes from so many different avenues. Um, I mean, from Bach to Beyonce. Honestly, um, I, I I'm kind of all over the all over the map. Some of my biggest influences right now, I am inspired by artists like Moses Sumney and uh, Sufjan Stevens. Uh, I also love Erica Badu. And uh, uh, yeah. a, there is a little known duo by the name of Coco Rosie. Um, not a lot mm-hmm. of people have heard of them, but they are this super weird, um, you know, Bjork. Yeah, kind of like FKA. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Very much akin to that uh, sort of alternative experimental um, approach toward music. But, you know, I also grew up in a in a home where gospel music was played all the time. And so I'm inspired by that soundscape as well. Um, I my goal, honestly, I mean, well, actually, I shouldn't say it's my goal because it's not something that I seek out, but my experience, rather, has been um, that my music doesn't necessarily sound like anyone, um, and it's hard to categorize, which I think is a good thing. Um, yeah, I, I was just about to say, uh, I want to piggyback off of two things you just said. One, I love that because to me, some of the greatest artists have no limits because I honestly feel like as a person, like let's just throw the artistry out the window. As a person, everybody you come in contact with, you take something from, you learn something. So as an artist, when you said Bach to Beyonce, I'm like, yes, that's what's up. (laughs) You know, and then the fact that you said you sound unique is also something I love because like with me, when I produce or write music, because I do that too, I try purposely to sound different. Like, I don't want to use hi-hats because everybody's using hi-hats, even though I love hi-hats. I want to use, like, some, you know, like, you know, the drum that looks like a turtle shell. I want to use that because I don't see that used a sure. lot. You know, I want to, you know, reach for the instruments that, you know, you don't, here every day like have you ever heard of this band you gave me a good artist now i'm gonna give you one have you ever heard of this band called ajr no i haven't yeah they're a really interesting band and their thing is they purposely try to write songs that has never been done before you know and use instruments like they wrote this song with a um 1940s quartet style and you know it's easy to just you know go in the studio and make your voice sound like the machine but no they literally went out and uh got the same machine that the quartet used you know and uh for that authentic feel and like to show you how original they are and how they want to write songs that nobody else wrote they wrote a song from a three minute year old baby's perspective wow 
and and it's and they really captured the essence and the innocence and ignorance like i'm edgy i'm excited to be here you know i can't wait to you know explore i love my mother you right. know that it, it they really capture it that's, too that's so ajr ajr i'm definitely gonna yeah. check that out thank you so i was let me ask you this because i was looking at your facebook and it says time and time again black and white makes me into what does that quote mean to you Wow. Um, so that was actually, I <laughs> um, have been, that quote has been following me around since maybe like the seventh grade. Um, and I don't um, remember the specific circum- circumstances uh, under which I said it, but I have grown up um, oftentimes feeling like I'm between worlds. Um, and, and, and by that, I mean, being a person of color, uh, who grew up in a military family, um, Mm -hmm. living on military bases, uh, kind of my entire life up until, um, high school. Uh, I, I, I felt a detachment from any concrete sort of identity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, I'm a thinker. <laughs> and when I, 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 from a very young age, I've like pondered really large concepts. And I feel like when you do that on a regular basis and kind of, or on a constant basis, you tend to sort of like leave yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And so being there, occupying that space for a prolonged period of time left me feeling like there are things that I can observe from people that they believe to be uh, 100% truth. And I can observe the exact opposite of that thing in someone else that they believe to be 100% truth. And it's like a, a strange reconciliation, you know, of the self when you are able to observe and almost even quantify those those experiences on either end. And so that quote kind of came from a place where I feel as though it is more often dangerous to move through the world with a black and white sort of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are immediately, first of all, you're denying yourself a, a very deep and rich understanding of everything that happens in between. And yeah. so at a young age, I, I kind of adopted this idea, this idea that I will not, I will be neither black nor white, I'm going to be gray, because I, that is the only way that I'm able to actually feel like I'm my, like my feet are on the ground. Otherwise yeah. I, 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 I am liable to, you know, shoot off into the ether and be gone for, <laughs> for, <laughs> for forever. Who knows, you know? So right. <laughs> that, that quote, it, it refers to, I mean, in a, in a very, in a less metaphorical sense, it refers to, you know, I, 
always felt ostracized from um, Black communities. Same. Um, and, at, and of course, I have always felt othered or tokenized by white communities. So um, there's this strange sort of in-between existence that I think a lot of uh, people of color experience, well, people of color, especially here in the United States, um, experience when they find themselves at the, at the crux between, um, between two cultural identities. Yeah, I, and, and I can attest to that because I I'm weird, okay. <laughs> like there ain't no lie to you, go dance around it. You know, I you know I'm an African American man who likes to go to the opera and watch a ballet. And I went to before I went to Booker T, I went to uh, Kimball High, which is a predominantly um, black school, and I was not accepted by you know, anybody there, they're like, what, who's this, you know, weird kid listening to, you know, Paramore, he, you know, he should be, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you know, yeah. you know, he should be listening to Lil Boosie, you know, now don't get me wrong, saying it all, man, is well, you know, I like <laughs> Lil Boosie too, but, yeah. you know, I was like, I had range and, you know, they um, didn't understand that and I am so glad because uh, a lot of people go through that. Like Donald Glover has spoke on it. Right. Um, Terry Crews went through yeah. it. And see, I think that's his main problem, you know, because I'll admit I used to be a Terry Crews because it gets to the point where you feel uh, unaccepted by your own race. So you say, okay, they're not rocking with me. You know, let me go over here. You know, not saying that what, you know, what Terry Crews is doing is right. But, you know, I'm just saying that's more likely what he went through. Yeah. But uh, I'm so glad that I went to um, Wiley High because, you know, I was like, I was like that. And then I went to Wiley High, which really opened my eyes because, you know, in Dallas, for the most part, people are the same. They're Christian, African-American or Hispanic, you know. But I, when I went to Wiley, you know, it was a huge cultural shock. You yeah. know, there there was um, gay people, Asian people, Muslim people, people of, you know, different religions that thought different than I am. And I, you know, I got to experience it, you know, and yeah. I'm, you know, so glad I got to experience that other, you know, side. And, you know, the white people thought I was weird, too. So I was like, <laughs> you know, so I was like, OK, so it's but, you know, I just got to be me. It's both of them. You know, absolutely. I, I think that being weird is 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 a more, uh, how do I put this, a more authentic and frankly, a more enlightened way of, of moving through the world because you're, you are at once vulnerable and also primed to take um, or to experience, you know, whatever someone is, is going to be throwing at you, whether it's good or bad. Um, so yeah, that quote, and, and don't get me wrong, uh, I, that, that quote is not to cast any sort of aspersions on any, on any community. I have deep, deep love and pride for, uh, my, my heritage, you know, being, yeah, being a person of color is, is something that I, I take, um, great pride in, uh. But that quote is just, it was born out of an experience that I was having, especially at that time in my life, you know, uh, like seventh grade, what are you like 13, 12, yeah. 13. And, you know, you're just starting to 
enter into that very tumultuous, rocky time, you know, and so it was an expression that resonated in my head and just never left. And so I, I don't know, it's, it's on my, it's on my Facebook because it also represents a lot of who I, of who I am and, and sort of the motto that yeah. I can tie a lot of my ideals back to. Yeah. Now, of course, there are times where you have to draw a line in the sand. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, some things you just have to be like, okay, this is wrong. This is wrong. But, oh, you know, yes. yeah. But, but yeah. for the most part, you know, keeping the open mind is the key. Now, I also see here, instead of saying Christian, you says free Christian. And I'm curious to know what that means. Um, I feel as though my relationship with religion is entirely personal. Um, and by personal, I don't mean private. I mean, it's personal. Um, my, the way that I worship, the way that I praise, the way that I, um, I learn is, is through, um, a more introspective and uh, intimate sort of practice that mm -hmm. is that is more that it, that is less dependent on the. Would the, you say it's more spiritual? I would say it's more spiritual. Yes. What yeah. I have issues with, I take issue um, with a lot of the traditional practices of the church. Um, and that's not any one specific church. I mean, just the church in general. When I, and this could be very arrogant of me, but when I think about my relationship with God, I feel as though it is strongest when I am alone and having my conversations with him. When I am in the setting of like a congregation, there's there's power there. There's a there's there's a very real experience to be had, but for me, um, I just don't feel the connection. I feel like I am bombarded by everyone else's ness, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I say I'm a free Christian, I mean that uh, I don't identify with any one sect of Christianity, um, and I and I don't necessarily ascribe to um any set uh of norms or guidelines or traditions when it comes to christianity so i yeah i, I feel open and also i say i'm a free christian because i versed myself in the torah the quran uh buddhist texts the hindu vedas i've read the egyptian book of the dead i've even read a bit of the book of mormon and i and it's not that i think that I, I don't read them as uh, dictum. You, you're trying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand completely. I understand what you're doing completely. You're trying to uh, uh, educate yourself because I've done the same thing. You know, I, you know, I've even read the Black Bible. You know, I was uh -huh. like, okay, what's in here? What do I, you know, you know? Because they say the best way. To, you know fight your enemy is you know know your enemy so i want to know what you're talking about what you believe in you know what i mean 
Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't characterize any anything other than myself as as my enemy though. It's more well, about, well I was talking about the black Bible specifically. Oh the black, yeah, the black yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We, okay. We, right. You know, we we we, 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 we ain't doing no hoodoo. We, we ain't doing no hoodoo shit over here. But no, like I feel like the Quran and yeah, you know, all those. And it's funny because um I don't know if you know a guy named John Pizak. That name doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, he's a uh, a teacher and a fellow actor. Well, basically, he told me something that was interesting. He said, I like to categorize myself as a um, spiritualist because there are some Christians out there that ain't really Christians, giving other Christians a bad name, and he doesn't want to be wrapped up into that category. Now, to uh, give it a label, yes, a regular person would consider him a Christian, but he says for the most part, he's a, he's a spiritualist. And I'm, you know, and I know this, uh, most Christians, you know, uh, we're not as spiritual. Like people don't realize that the world was created by words. So it makes sense that our words are powerful. Our words are spells. We can speak things in the, and manifest things in the, you know, existence and you know you know face without works is dead so if we just put in the work we can almost have anything our heart desires you know what right. i mean right yeah right. absolutely yeah but that's interesting i'm so glad you have that you know knowledge because there's so many people that are just you know when it comes to religion especially they're just this one track mind like okay this is what i taught you know this is what i was taught this is what is right they don't you know branch out you know and get right. knowledge from other sources so i i admire you about that uh thank you but the thing that the thing that i feel is is um often overlooked and or, or too often overlooked, I should say, is the, the ways in which these holy texts, uh, the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, uh, even certain Buddhist texts, ancient Greek mythology and whatnot, they all have so much in common. And yes. those commonalities, I feel, are worth uh, vesting a bit more intellectual and even emotional and spiritual uh, energy into because there's they, they they present themselves as sort of a universal uh, truth, this sort of ubiquitous like uh, affirmation of things. And I, uh, when you're able to generalize and extrapolate your like your your thought process uh, to be a bit bigger, I feel there's a lot to be learned in that space. Uh, which <laughs> goes all the way back to this sort of uh, grayness of, uh, you know, where where thinking happens and rather than it being black or white. There's a, there's a, yeah, there's I, be a large I believe thing. it. I believe it because like, and that's what I was going to say, you beat me to it. But most religions I find literally say the same thing. The words might be just scrambled a little bit because you know, like I was, I have a, a pagan friend. I actually had him on the show and he said in paganism, we're taught do unto others. And I was like, same scripture in the Bible. You know what I mean? You know, so, so once you get to the bottom of it and look at it, it's really all the same, just a golden rule, treat everybody like you want to be treated, you know, mm -hmm. you know, good energy in, good energy out.
Right. Definitely. Definitely. Now, right. if you could open up for any singer, who would it be? Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, like, like, uh, do you mean like right now at this stage in my, in my sort of development and my, like my artistic identity, or just like if I were to sort of in the most ideal world? Is that right? Yeah. 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 Like say for instance, uh, 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 Quincy Jones called you said, Hey, you know, just name the singer. I'm gonna hook you up. Who would it be? Wow. Like limitless. Wow. Um. Oh my gosh, that's so hard to answer. I I am in love with so many different artists, but I think that yeah. For it, it, okay, so I'm going to think about this on so many different layers. You know, um, <laughs> because not not only because I respect this artist's work, but because from what I've seen, I think that we would get along and have a lot of fun touring. Um, and I think that my music in its final stages would fit this vibe. I would want to open up for Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, I think that she's very, uh, she's just, first of all, she's, she's amazing. She's art- artistically brilliant, but she's got a, from what I can see, you know, I don't know her obviously, but her personality that she puts forth is, is inviting and it's warm and it's dynamic. And I think that she and I would actually have a lot in common and we would be able to feed off of each other in a very positive way. So, uh, and, and when you are touring with someone, that's a very taxing experience. And I, I think that uh, she would, at least for me, uh, be very energizing and, and kind of motivating. To, to yeah. Me. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely see you guys even collaborating. Yeah, even. yeah. I uh, a dream of mine is to uh, is to is to work with her, an artist like her. Um, she's just you know phenomenal in my in my view. Yeah. So let me ask you this: um, How would you describe your music style? Oh gosh. Um, I well, know as it's I hard. Said, <laughs> yeah, as I said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I would say that I am a folkloric soul artist, meaning um, there are folk elements in the way that I compose um, and in my poetry. But I think the vibe that I tend to at least go for is more alternative neo-soul. Yeah. Maybe uh, alternative R&B. But like I said, I have, I, I, I'm classically trained in music, but I, I spent uh, a lot of time, you know, writing my own, um, writing my own music. And uh, I also teach. So all of the experiences I have, I, I have a background in musical theater. So all of those experiences go, go into um, how I, how I create. So I would, I would describe it as, like I said, a folkloric soul alternative R and B. Yeah, um, I would I, say, I would actually. Uh, to me, you sound like. Do you know the singer Hozier? Yes. Yes. To well, me, you sound like if Hozier and Erica Badu had a kid. It would ah, be- that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I will take that. Wow, <laughs> that's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, because it's true. Because like there is that 
you know, soulfulness in your music, but it's also like earthy, if yeah. that makes sense, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's, you, you know, you feel like you're like in the woods, you know, <laughs> you know, swaying back and forth listening, you know? Yes. That's, that's actually, I mean, that's, that's sort of what I, what I, I'm going for. So I'm glad that you had that experience. It's, it's a very um, kind of honest expression again, because I, I feel like I, I was brought up with so with a varied experience. I, I grew up, um, in a military family, I lived overseas for a very long time. And so my influences are, are, are so varied. And so the experience that I would want my listeners to have, um, I feel should be equally as um, dynamic and, and, uh, and varied as well. Yes. Now, where were you the moment where you was like, okay, I want to be an artist for the rest of my life? Where wow. were you in that moment? Um, There are so many answers to that because in, on this path, you have to kind of reaffirm your decision. Yeah. Often, um, because it's not easy. I <laughs> think the most poignant um, time, though, was I mean, I knew I wanted to be an artist when I was like very little and my, my aunt was teaching me how to paint uh, roses and, you know, seeing something come out of my hand and take form in the real world was like, oh my God, this is a superpower. I want to do this forever. But um, when I was in college, I was at a point where I had to decide because if I wasn't going to continue a on this path and, and study music and art, um, I was going to uh, go on to law school, believe it or not. Um, Ew, and, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, not not to be one of those sleazy lawyers. I wouldn't want to, you know, there's, there's a lot of good work that one can do. No, 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 no. I was just making a joke because you know we artsy people. Yeah. We're like a real uh, job, oh, right? absolutely, like a whole nine to five thing. <laughs> not my, not my, not my bag at all. But mm-hmm. um, there was a moment where I was uh, drowning in self doubt and and you know a little bit of depression and uh, confusion and not really sure of what direction I wanted to go in and what was right for me. And I was on the phone with my mother and I was sitting in the football stadium in the stands. There wasn't a game or anything going on. It was empty. Um, but I was in the, I was just sitting in the stands and sort of just looking at, uh, you know, my environment where I was, all of the things that had been afforded to me and the fact that I didn't really know what to do with it all. And it just felt like a lot of pressure, a lot of weight. And I, I uh, was speaking to my mother and she, you know, mama always knows exactly what to say. <laughs> and um, yeah. it was, um, I felt empowered in the idea that my, that my, my lot in life is to go through this, to have these, um, these moments, this, this, kind of almost nearly crippling sort of doubt and and confusion but then to work 
your way through it and be able to talk about it is a is a um, it's a gift to be uh, you know bestowed unto others and to to spread to other people and so if that's something that I can do I want to want to do it and so that, I think that that was the moment where I made the decision to commit to it when I was when I was like maybe a freshman in college I had always known you know since I was probably seven or eight um, that art was something that I was passionate about but the decision to do it the decision to not uh, opt for not necessarily the easier path but the more the surer the surer path the, a, a clearer way to go um, you know just for the sake of security or stability yeah and like, like it's okay if you can't remember the time because i love people when i ask them that question they're like oh i've always wanted to do this like i can't remember because that's how i am like my mom will tell you even when i was a kid worshiping barney i would be like you know <laughs> i want to play with barney you know i want to be with those kids so yeah yeah definitely yeah definitely. i mean i i can remember it was a day in uh in the in the early spring i want to say maybe like march um because i i remember it being a little bit overcast in cincinnati ohio um i was yeah i was sitting outside in the football stadium in the stands kind of by myself i don't remember anyone else being around um it was early or i'm sorry late morning early afternoon um and i just yeah had a had a, a little bit of a breakdown on the phone and then, you know, uh, walked away feeling like I knew myself a bit more. Nice. Nice. Okay. Now, who are your top three singers of all time? Of all time? Mm-hmm. Goodness. Um, <laughs> wow, I gotta, I gotta think about that for a second. Um, And when I say all time, I mean, like, you followed this person, you know, from the beginning of their career till now you were there in the beginning, you know, like, say, for instance, for me, I love being, she's like the bar. I don't think there's anybody, you know, higher than she is, you know, not Lady Gaga, Adele, Billie Eilish, but I can't say that she's my favorite because I feel like I would like I like new Beyonce I like ghetto Beyonce <laughs> like, you know yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. a you know I wasn't a b-day fan right so but but I I do feel like I'm an Ariana Grande fan or a Michael Jackson fan because even though I wasn't with Michael Jackson during the beginning I researched all his music and uh, as soon as Ariana got like the VMAs was, I want to say, last weekend. And I was actually, they actually posted a video of her when she was on the opening show. She wasn't even on the head show. And it was so nostalgic. Like, I was there wow. during that. So I feel like I can say I'm a huge, I am Ariana Grande. You know, for, right. I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, then, so, so, so ooh. One singer that comes to mind, I know this is probably not anywhere near like the sort of um, the, the the playing field that you're expecting me to be in, but do you know uh, Jesse Norman? 
Jesse, no, I haven't heard of her. She was. She she recently passed away. God rest her soul. Um, she was a she was a right a um a mezzo soprano. She was a an opera singer. Um, mm. and her color and tone and control and just her overall, just her presence on like when she entered a space was something that I was inspired by not only because of her incredible talent but you know when you're black and you're studying opera um to see a um to see someone can you still hear me yeah to see a black um opera singer who is, you know, at the top of the field is very inspiring. So Jesse Norman. Um, Lady Gaga is actually someone that I have followed from like the very beginning. And I'm a huge fan of her. I think she does have a great instrument, but I think artistically she's among the most innovative and, and um, kind of versatile artists out there. I agree. I agree. Have you heard Chromatica yet? Oh, uh, yes, I have several times. <laughs> let, let me tell you I did people say okay when did um, quarantining set in like when did you finally realize that corona was a problem I didn't realize that until um, Chromatica came out because I'm pretty much a homebody anyway uh-huh. like I never go out unless it's to like a club like uh, S4 Roundup Saloon Club Vinyl somewhere like that but um when that CD came out, I was like, Jesus, I'm going to need you to open up those club doors like you <laughs> opened up the door so I can throw ass properly to this CD. That is funny. Like, that's what it said. <laughs> I was like, okay, now we got to, Corona needs to leave now. Okay, we got to go through. Oh, wow. And you know in the Rose Room is going to be a lady, a chromatical greatest hits. Because that's what happened when, um, I want to say when um, Fame Monster came out, like all the queens were, you know, yeah, doing. I'm sure. Yeah, dragged to that CD. So yeah, I bet. Yeah, no, they're gonna they're gonna go ham with it. Um, who did I say? Jesse Norman, Lady Gaga, and I guess. Um, oh wow. Um, one other. This is tough. There are just so many. Uh, the third one is always usually the hardest one. I guess I would say uh, da, da, da. so hard. Let's see. Well, oh my God, there are just so many artists that like, I have so much respect for, like Nina Simone. She's, oh yeah, she's she's killer. Um, obviously, like I said, I love Janelle Monae. I also do love Ariana Grande. Do you know who Laura Mvula is? Laura, uh, uh, oh, you giving me all these singers? Oh, I'm gonna have home. You, you have <laughs> to check her out. She is um, an English singer, but just out of this world. Um, oh, those are the best. They're yeah, singers from London and Britain. Oh my goodness! Yeah, she's she's wonderful. Um, man, 
you know, have I'm you gonna, ever? I'm gonna. I'm going to just kind of opt for this. I because I, I can't think of yeah. the name, but but I'm gonna say. Oh, you know what, James Blake. James Blake. Oh, yeah. Because I was I was I was kind of into him right from the get go, and that was like you know when I was still young in college, and his first album was you know circul- circulating, and I've been kind of vibing with him ever since too. So I'm gonna say James Blake. Yeah. Now, have you ever um, met Erica Badu? No, I haven't, but it's it's a dream and a goal of mine, for sure. Okay, okay, cool. So, like, I'm, I have this thing in mind. I don't know if I'll be able to pull it off, but, you know, Erica, you know, I call her Auntie Erica, and I kind of want to do this thing called Badu and Friends, where, like, I get some of the people I've interviewed, mm-hmm. you know, and I would love to, like, add you to that list. Uh, I am, I am all for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah put me down. Yeah, the, the first time, cause I, I'm cool with Savin. And so the, you okay. know, I went over there, you know, she's like an awesome person. And like the first 10 minutes, you're going to be starstruck, but then she's going to turn into like your aunt or like your big cousin. Pretty Love much that. like oh, wow. he's so down to earth, yeah. you know, she'll, you know, she, she'll tell you, God bless you, and fuck you in the same sentence. Like, love like, that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would love to meet her. Please put me down for that, because that, whatever yeah, I she's, to do. <laughs> she's amazing. Now, now this question is going to be harder, okay? Uh, top three songs of all time. Which songs have made you feel the most emotion? Oh, that's impossible. Um that's impossible. There's there's no way I can answer that. Um top three <laughs> songs. Oh my god, no. Nah. Um you can skip it. I know it's a hard one. You can skip can it. Can I skip it? Because that I I yeah. would I, I'm gonna <laughs> sit here thinking about it for hours. Yeah, you like uh I ain't even gonna try that. I, <laughs> I, 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 I can't. Because there's so many good yeah. ones, man. There's so many good ones. Okay. For so many reasons too. So it's 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 hard. Yeah. Um top three movies of all time. Uh, Death Becomes Her, The Green Mile, and, uh, Beloved. Dang, you went for the juggler. You, you, all good movies right there. Yeah, I, uh, that, those, I don't know why, but those three movies are kind of like, I can always watch them. I can always watch them, like, without, without feeling bored or, and I feel like I, I still learn something. Um, yeah. and Death Becomes Her still cracks me up. Just like the little subtle things about that movie just get me rolling so yeah, yeah you, you you know somebody uh put it out there that they would like to do see a remake i forget uh-huh. who yeah did, did you see the poster it was uh robert uh, downey jr as, yeah uh yeah with uh, bruce willis as, character uh, and then anne hathaway i think yeah anne hathaway as the brunette and then yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it's funny because um like i made a post because uh Chloe Car is it Chloe? Yeah, Chloe Kardashian. She completely got a new face like a couple of months ago, and I was like, "This is who she's going to." And I posted a pic of the chick from. <laughs> ah, you're funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, "Shoot, she done got her." I said, "Shoot, I need a new face too." Hook me up. <laughs> yes. Who are your top three actors of all time? Uh, let's say 
Wow. Um, Meryl Streep. Obviously, you know. Um, Who was that? Cicely Tyson. Meryl, I said Meryl, Meryl Streep. Streep. Yeah. Um, Cicely Tyson. I'm a huge fan of her. Um, wow. It's always that three, man. <laughs> I mean, I love me some Felicia Rashad, not just from, you know, the TV shows and movies that she's done, but her, like, her, she is a force of nature in the theater. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what? I feel like I'm not giving any men their credit, though. Uh, I would say... Lord, um... I mean, there's a lot of great male. I mean, you got Jamie Foxx, Will Smith, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp, um, Denzel. Like, there's amazing, a lot of amazing male actors. You know, absolutely. Um, I I do love love Johnny Depp, you know, despite all the controversy that's surrounding him right now. I love Johnny Depp's work. Um, I feel as though there, like, when it comes to actors, there's, it's a, it's a different art form for me. So the, it's hard for me to assess skill. I can only kind of go based off of, you know, how, what I feel. Yeah. Um, and so my analysis isn't necessarily critical. Um, but Johnny Depp is someone that I, I feel like I can always watch him. He's a very versatile sort of like that. Oh, yeah, is... and, I, and I like just about everything that he's ever been in. Yeah. I admire him for that. Like he's never the mm-hmm. same character. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Now, if you could collaborate, do, do you listen to hip hop too? I do. Um, but... Yeah, if you could collaborate with any three rappers and singers, who would they be? Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Definitely. Um, uh, like I said, I would love to work with Janelle Monet. And, uh, or, or you want me to specific, like focus specifically on rappers? Um, you, you can mix it up. Yeah, definitely Kendrick Lamar, Janelle Monet, and, uh, and, and James Blake. I would want to collaborate with James Blake for sure. Yeah. I could definitely see you doing something as well with somebody like, J. Cole, uh-huh. maybe, you know, I can see you doing Drake too, uh, Hosier. Um, definitely would love to see you collaborate with Lana Del Rey. I feel like. Um, oh, that's so funny. Why do you say that? <laughs> because because there's something there, like you said, there is something haunting about your sound. And I feel like there's something haunting about her. So I feel I, like I you guys. Yeah, can kind of like jump off of each other. Um, 
Fleetwood Mac, Florence in the Machine, you know, any one of those I feel like could complement your sound as well. Yeah, I, I do love Florence in the Machine for sure. Yes. Sure. Now, what's your go to karaoke song? I don't do karaoke. You don't? Oh, I God. hate karaoke. Well, let me be honest. I hate karaoke, but I, like, when, when I am pressured into it, uh, I, my, I guess my go-to is Rehab by Amy Winehouse. Yeah, Amy Winehouse. She's another good musician. Oh my and God. see, I'm so relieved that you don't like karaoke because me and my friend has this thing like people that sing really good should not do karaoke because it makes <laughs> people like us look bad. Well, <laughs> I mean, they're, sure, but also when people know that you're a singer, when like singing karaoke is not like a demonstration of your ability as a singer. And so when whenever I sing karaoke, I feel pressured to like actually perform. And it's like, who wants to do that when they're like three drinks in and you know just yeah. like supposed to be like out having a good time you know like first of all I, like karaoke is a sport like mm-hmm. you have to be a certain amount of drunk to play the game <laughs> second of all alcohol does nothing for your voice like Absolutely. it makes it worse anything. Exactly. and yeah but um yeah man karaoke is definitely not for everybody have you ever been to sons of herman i have not it's the oldest, it's in downtown, close to uh, Deep Ellum. It's the oldest wooden, wooden building in uh, Texas. And on Wednesday nights, I don't know about now, but on Wednesday nights, they used to have uh, swing dancing classes and downstairs would be karaoke. Trust me, if they think you're a singer, nobody's going to want you to perform down there. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so, <laughs> so maybe you just need to, you know, do karaoke with the right people. You right. Know what I mean? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you sing a little bit of rehab though? Right now? Yeah. Oh no. Don't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. <laughs> well, you ain't gonna give us no you ain't gonna give us no treats. Oh my God. That's horrible. Um <laughs> I've been sitting here eating Skittles and shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh I am just not ready for that. Um Shoot, I'm trying to even think of. Uh, they try to make me go to rehab. Oh god! <laughs> All right, let me stand up here. Uh, they try to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been back, but when I come back, don't no, no, no. I may have the time, but if my daddy thinks I'm fine, they try to make me go to rehab. I won't go, go, go. All right, that was good, but now you sing. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, just you're kidding. funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, every time I ask somebody to sing on the show, they like, well... My voice ain't ready, and then they just blow it out of the water. I was like, "What happened to the skittles?" <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was that was that's me playing around. Yeah, you you definitely have a great voice. You oh, definitely you. you would put everybody in karaoke to shame. They would probably just walk out like, "All right, I believe I know I ain't gonna win." Oh, that's sweet of you. Thank you. 
Yeah. Now, do you, I know you said you did uh, study musical theater in school. Do you have a uh, love for it? Um, a love for musical theater. I do. Um, there is definitely a part of me that loves musical theater and I want to get back into it, um, you know, as a, as a side thing. But it's also a lot of work. And when you are, when you participate in a project like that, it takes so much of you. Um, yeah. And then also I went to, I, di I didn't study musical theater. I studied uh, vocal performance. And so I went, but I went to school with people who specifically studied musical theater and they are, you know, phenomenal artists oh, yeah. themselves. And so it's hard for me to say, it's hard for me to put myself into that category knowing that um, it's like, I don't tell, I don't tell anybody that I'm a pianist. I can play the piano, but I am not a pianist yeah. because I went to school with like classical pianists. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. So um, yes, I have a love for musical theater. It's something that, uh, I mean, I, I, I love to be a part of a lot of what I teach is musical theater. Um, but uh, I, I would never take it upon myself to, um, I, you know, identify as a, yeah. yeah, musical theater kid. Yeah, I understand. Um, I'm actually working on a musical uh, later on today with one of my friends. Um, it's something that's never been done before. Uh, like, uh, have you seen Hamilton? Yes. Okay, so you probably know what it's called, but um, you know how each character kind of has their own line and cadence? Like when Angelica is singing, you know, you hear... Uh, the oh, word like their most, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Well, like I'm doing it with uh my show. My show is a show based off of loosely based off of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and oh, Jungle wow. Fever. Okay, you know, and uh, instead of them having a cadence, each character has their own genre in general, depending on you know their beliefs. You know, like the um. The uh, black son and the white daughter, you know, they're more Hamilton, Rent, uh, Dear Evan Hansen, contemporary, because they're more modern. Um, the white parents are more like classical. So think like Carousel, She Loves Me, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. The um, black mom is more like gospel, like The Wiz, um, Dream Girls, Color Purple, and the sister, you know, she's more. R&B, so think like Hades Town, Once wow. on This Island. Okay, you know, wow. and and, and cool. it's difficult. It's definitely you know, and I could definitely use some of your help or opinions on it because it's definitely difficult writing multiple genres when you only have one that you're really really good. At. But, <laughs> no, I, I get that, but I mean, yeah, if you wanted to send yeah. me some some stuff, I'd love to get some feedback. And definitely, definitely, because there's like a dinner scene where the two families meet each other. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, man, you got R&B, you know, you got pop, classical, and rap all in one song. And it actually flows good with each other. You know, it yeah. actually, yeah. you know, flows good, you know. So, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Now, with that being said, what would be some of your uh, dream roles if you would do musical theater? Because honestly, I see you being like somebody like Anthony or Sweeney Todd. I, I believe you could definitely... Uh, I would love 
to be Sweeney Todd. That role, yeah. I feel, is so much of like, uh, <laughs> not to say I'm a creep or anything like that, but I, <laughs> any of the, like, I'm, I'm very good at doing the villain. Um, yeah. A lot of what my, my, my uh, resume looks like in terms of theater. Um, yeah. I also loved, uh, I, I would like to be Billy Flynn in Chicago. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I could even see you as Lafayette or Aaron Burr. Um, I would, yeah, I think I, I could, I, Aaron Burr would be a really, really fun role. Um, yeah. For sure. For sure. Leslie Odom Jr., I feel, is somebody, whenever I need to uh, attach to a voice that is out there in terms of musical theater, um, Leslie Odom just, is someone that I feel like I can, I can relate with vocally very, very easily. Just like when it comes to like R&B or pop, I feel I can relate to John Legend very easily. Like I can like vocally um, exercise the same sort of colors and range and tone as John Legend. I feel the same way about Leslie Odom uh, in yeah. musical theater. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. I, I like. I'm definitely like. I feel like I'm more of a film actor, but there's definitely a, you know, a heart, a place in my heart for musical, for yeah. musical theater. I feel like it's the foundation of acting. You know. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's. I mean, the the stage is definitely where. Um, yeah. You know, you're. You got to really show your metal. There. Yeah, I can even see you as uh, uh, Simba. You know, in the Lion King, but now Ooh. that now that's one show uh-huh. where I could be anybody. I could be the grass for all I can and be fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's such a beautiful, uh, such a beautiful work. Like just, I, I would you know, I would be any same as you. I would anything to be in that show. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, have you? Uh, what kind of TV shows do you watch, or do you not watch a lot of TV? I don't watch a lot of TV except for, to be honest, um, cartoons. And that's because I just like to put it on in the background while I'm doing other work. And, and it's something that my mind, it's something uh, very light and easy that my mind can attach to so that I'm not like overthinking stuff, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I do I, that. I do that too. Yeah, like, I don't I, know I what it cartoons. is about us, but like, I have to have something running, especially yeah. when I'm cleaning, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So like Bob's Burgers is, is like one of my all time favorite shows. Yeah. Um, I am watching How to Get Away with Murder right now for the first time, uh, and namely because Viola Davis is brilliant in this. Season. Yeah. But um, that's probably about as serious um, as my television viewing goes. I I'm more about like I watch movies, documentaries, um, and the news. <laughs> yeah. um, Are you a Rick and Morty fan? I like Rick and Morty. Um, I try not to watch it too much because I feel like uh, it's easy for me to start overthinking some of the concepts that they present. Yeah, you can. De- it's definitely a smart show where you can, you know, Absolutely. break it down. It gets meta. It yeah, gets very, uh, it gets very meta, and you know, and I love that. But when I yeah. I don't engage with television for that purpose, um, yeah, because I'm already there most of the day. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, there is a TV show on HBO Max, but it's also on other websites that I refuse to share on this podcast. But, um, you know, there's a show called Lovecraft Country. It's with, uh, I think her name is Junie Smollett, uh, Jesse Smollett's sister. Okay. And let me tell you, that show is 
brilliant. It's a it's set in the Jim Crow era, and for me, being a you know twenty five year old that didn't necessarily grow up with that version of racism, mm-hmm. it's definitely a shock. Um, definitely an eye opener. I've learned what a you know rough ride was. It was when uh, African American would get arrested. And back then they had paddy wagons, so um, the they would just drive crazy while the dude was being slammed against the walls. And, mm-hmm. you know, if a black family moved into a white neighborhood, they would tie uh, bricks to the horns of their car and, you know, until they and burn crosses until they, you know, moved out. It's really surreal. And ironically, it's they it's based off of uh lovecraft's hp lovecraft's monsters now uh are you familiar with hp lovecraft uh the cause of cthulhu yes yeah and so as you know he was a known bigot and racist yes. so the fact so the fact that you know black people are in something that he created it's a it's a double, you know. He's probably Absolutely. turning over in his grave. One uh, reviewer was like, "He's in hell right now," and the devil's like making a watch. He's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. "But awesome. yeah, but episode three, man, like uh, it was a uh, and like they have like little. It doesn't get too meta, but it's just enough meta where you appreciate it. Like you know, they had a scene where these kids were playing with a. Ouija board and one of the you know they didn't say his name they said it by his nickname which was uh Boba and mm-hmm. um he asked them am I gonna have a good trip and the Ouija board said no he actually represented Emmett Till because Boba was his nickname and wow. um you know like how the uh the doctor that was done so much for uh gynecology that you should practice on female slaves without anesthesia. They actually yes. adapted that story in um, episode three. And that episode, man, I have never seen a TV scene so powerful since Orange is New Black. Like, that kept me up at night. I was, like, wow. amazed. Like, wow. the song, you know, they had a Shirley Caesar song playing in the background. And, Goodness. you know, she was calling on the ancestors. Like, it was a very, I was like, if June Smullett is not received her stars and her credits, she deserves it now. What is the name of this show? Lovecraft Country. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, it's very, very good. So what advice would you give somebody trying to do what you do? Oh, my gosh. Um, Don't. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm playing. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, it, It is very easy to want to spend several days at a time away from your craft it's very easy to want to stop uh pushing yourself because a lot of what this is is investing time and energy into something that has no um perceivable payout however it's the persistence and the consistency that that keeps you uh that keeps elevating you and so um take your breaks but but get back to it when you can because it's it's very easy for to let yourself fall behind yeah 
And you see that a lot in the city. Like you see great actors, you know, just having do done a show in like years because you know the rents do. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, and, and I feel like you know, COVID. You know, it has its ups and downs. One thing that's uh, up about it is people are in at home and they can create, and we've actually mm-hmm. found a lot of ways to create like there's stay at home rays where you know they stream live on like instagram or facebook and you can like turn off your lights and pretend you're there or there's been zoom read-throughs and tribute concerts of uh some shows theater three is streaming their performances on live now so yeah, you know, yeah. we found ways to be creative, but I just cannot wait. Twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two are gonna be like heavily entertainment based years, man. Because all the concerts that's been pushed back, like mm-hmm. it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, nobody's yeah. gonna stay in the house. <laughs> I'm trying. You're right. I'm trying not to think too much about it though, because I was so ready for twenty twenty. And I, I was like, you know, this is my year. I'm going to get this. Everybody. You know, I had lots of plans, man. And then all this crap, like, eh, I'm just like, you know, I'm going to take it a day at a time. Yeah. If I get excited and then I have to be disappointed, I'm going to end up walking out to the middle of the street and just yelling at people. Right. I'm just at that point. Yeah. Now, you seem like an interesting person. So let me get, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, what does the perfect off day for you look like you know you got the house all to yourself everything's done you know there's nothing to do but just exist and relax what does the perfect off day look like for you um a good workout um well you know okay uh actually a really nice breakfast Mm -hmm. um with like tea and uh a good workout Something where I can that I can engage with where I'm learning something like a really good documentary maybe. Yeah. Um, rain. I'm being honest. I feel like I can relax and and recharge when the weather is when it's raining. Um, I, I I feel at peace in that sort of environment. Um. Uh, wow. Um. And I mean, this is not, this is gonna sound so boring, but like, uh, like sleeping, <laughs> because I, I just yeah, I I feel like I don't do enough of it. First of all, um, so yeah, a good a good solid nap, not too long, not too short. Yeah, but see, when you get older, you appreciate those naps though. Like just one hundred percent. Yeah, those are the best ones in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely. Uh, and then that evening, I think that it would be nice to like go out and have like a really nice cocktail or a couple with, you know, some friends. Yeah. Um, and, you know, come back home, chill out, watch cartoons and go to bed. I mean, that's if if we're talking about no like no work whatsoever. And that includes, you know, like with my job, um, work can be anything from, you know, I've got lessons to teach uh consultation meetings to be in or music 
like specifically to work on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have, if I like not practicing, not writing, none of that stuff. Yeah. I think that that would be a, an ideal off day for me. Yeah. Now um, you write your own stuff, right? Yes. What is your writing process? Cause I know it varies for people like some, like Alyssa Cara was saying she likes to go in like tight, places like closets where she writes best uh ariana grande she likes to go in the bathtub just draw the curtains and sit you know meditate um some people like to get high or drunk or go for a drive or go to a cafe what's your writing process like uh i tend to write actually when i'm in my car um Mm. just i mean driving is a is a is a good time for me to think i think and so I, I, a lot of my ideas come to me while I'm in my car. Um, but the process of actually writing something usually spans a great amount of time. Not to say that I spend a lot of time because I'm like just like, you know, sitting there staring, but like I'll have an idea and I will record it like as a voice memo or something, or if it's lyrics, I'll write them down. Um, and then you know, several weeks, months later, often, um, another idea will come to me that is meant to accompany that that original idea. And so then I will sit down and start to piece those, those things together. And then the form of the music begins to present itself um, in a real way. So normally like my, my process is, I will have, I will be inspired suddenly and have like a short, snippet of something come to me yeah. um, and then it, it doesn't fully take form or I, it isn't given life until sometime later where the rest of it uh, starts to starts to come as well um, I used to get real high and write um, but my problem is that not my problem but in that in that process I find myself um, second guessing too many decisions you know like like trying too many different things and then yeah. I let the i let i let the i let perfect get in the way of of good um or great yeah. so now it's more of a matter of I, i'm trying to get in the habit of um just letting things be what they are and and, and giving it space to to exist and getting it out there yeah. Now, I uh, like I said, I'm working on this show recently. Um, I've tried relaxing and getting uh, and getting drunk. That didn't help my, you know, my writing was, you know, just the same. I haven't tried getting high or driving or sitting in the bathtub or a closet yet, though. So I got to mm-hmm. I got to try those out. I know um, Sia does something interesting where she will literally have you heard the uh, diamonds demo she did for Rihanna? I have, yeah, yeah, like how she's just like almost like letting the universe write for her, she's just blurting out words and then she'll like look, play it back, like, okay, I said diamond here, shine here, see here, how can I make this make sense? Uh, that's good for uh, that's good for. Yeah, that's good for writer's block or like I do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also do what I call the I like to call it the victorious method. 
because I got it from the show. There was a scene wow. where um, Tori was trying to write a song for her sister for her birthday, and she called Andre to help her out. And, you know, she was so stressed, and Andre started asking her questions like, okay, um, how do you feel? Well, I want to tell her I love her. Uh, does she gra- dri- uh, drive you crazy sometimes? Yeah. And have you told her that lately? No. And she was like, how was asking me questions? And he literally took what she said. It was like, I might seem crazy, but have I told you lately? You know, she, you know, and so what I do is I, you know, write down what I want to say. And if I can't, you know, fit that word in the song, I will take the definition and heighten it or lower it. Say, for instance, the word is angry or I'm feeling anger. I'm like, okay, angry doesn't work. Maybe I should try agitated or irritated. And if that doesn't work, I'll like put a metaphor. Like instead of saying angry, I'll be like, I came in like a whirlwind or something like that, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what is the most embarrassing moment of your singing career? Wow. Um, well, before I answer that, I have to let you know, I actually need to jump off of this call um, in just a minute. So I think I can answer this and then like one other question, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, because I only had, like, two more after this anyway. So. Okay, okay, wonderful. Uh, the most embarrassing moment. I think I was performing in a, in a club in Minneapolis uh, with my group several years ago. Uh, and we were, I, I, it was a song that I had written where I had to pop up into my falsetto very, very high up into my falsetto. I think I was hitting maybe, like, an F sharp or something. Uh, like an F. Um, and I just, you know, cracked, super, super duper cracked and uh, like in a way that I couldn't recover from. And, uh, you know, that feeling where all the blood kind of like rushes out of your face and like your, your hands feel cold yeah, um, and everything's shaky. Yeah, I felt that way. And so it was hard for me to get through the rest of the, the set. Um, I did and it was fine. And, you know, I, I, but uh, that crack was something that, um, definitely humbled me. And, and because after the set, um, I was at the bar of that club and someone came up to me and was like, don't sweat it, man. It wasn't, it was, uh, it was bad, but I mean, nobody's <laughs> going to remember everybody's going to get drunk. And I was like, you know what? Okay. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what was your greatest moment of your career? Um, that same moment. Wow. That's deep. Because, uh, well, I mean, I didn't. Um, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, that same moment, because it was then where I, I realized that I was not going to die uh, from the embarrassment. Um, and that the worst thing that could happen is, is ha- has already happened. So, um I felt, I felt free. I mean, I, I still have a lot of insecurity. So I have a lot of uh, anxiety when it comes to performing. I have stage fright, hardcore, but um, I am not afraid of what will happen. It's more of a physical thing. Like just the, the, the nerves are, are more physical than they are mental or emotional now at this point. 
Mm-hmm. Now, do you have time for one more question? Um, yes, I do. Okay, so about the lots, <laughs> what <laughs> advice? Because I'm, I'm, I'm right now. I have somewhat of an afro. You know, I, I'm about to order me some uh, collagen and avocado oil after we get off. But uh, what advice would you have for? Uh, you know, beginning, growing, and then starting your locks. Okay. Um, yeah, your diet um, is definitely important. You want to make sure that you're you're eating well because that directly uh, affects the strength of your hair and the, the rate at which it grows. Uh, but when you are starting your locks, start them off at a, as a, at a good size. One of the mistakes that I made was I started a lot of my locks too thin. And after mm-hmm. a year of, or so, um, which is very early, um, I had to start combining them because they were they were on the verge of falling out. So start them at a very a nice, healthy size. And also in the beginning stages, there is nothing you can do um, about the ugly phase that you're going to, <laughs> to, to, to go yeah. through. It's just, it's, it's a part of the, it's a rite of passage and it's something that you have to go through and it lasts for, for some people, it's only like a couple months. For me, it was like the whole, almost the, the whole, the entire first year where I was just like, I, I look ridiculous. I look ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was looking at a video from Damien Walter. He's like a lot God, like a lot tissue that he was like, I don't really like to call it the ugly face. I like to call it the transition phase because you know even though it might not look the way you want it to there's nothing wrong about you know your you know your hair because it's going through some you, you know when you right. go through some you look a little ratchet too yeah, absolutely. You're <laughs> absolutely right that's he and, and he's correct i shouldn't call it the ugly phase i just felt like it was my ugly phase because i hated the way that i looked but yeah. um but when on the other side of it i have never i i feel I've never felt more like myself um, than I do now. And I've, I've had a lot of different hairstyles. I had my hair straight for a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, I, I feel most like myself now with my locks than, um, than I ever have. And so I would say it's worth it. And it's weird because there's a, there's, it's almost like there's a hidden but not hidden community uh, with locks because when yeah. I first started my locks I would see other uh, people with locks and they would just give me that look you know what I mean like hang in there sort of thing yeah like oh he's one uh-huh. he's not good <laughs> yeah and now and now it's like when like I can I see people who have who have locks in this just like there's like an acknowledgement of, of each other that's like you know because, because it's a thing it's a process that you have to go through um, and when you have, you know, the result is evident. And so when you see someone else with that same result, you can assume that they went through the same process, put in the same kind of uh, work as you did. Um, the other thing I would say is, is not to mess with them too much. Yeah. You know? Now, do you put any oils in your hair or how do you condition it and what shampoo and conditioner do you um, use i tip i don't really put a whole lot in my hair except for when i get it touched up um sometimes i will mm-hmm. put a stimulating 
like um, coconut oil-based growth um, serum in my hair just to kind of like moisten my scalp and make my hair smell nice. But, um, and and I wash it probably about once a once every 10 days ish. Um, but not, but not vigorously. I don't really get Mm -hmm. into it, uh, except, um, I, I get it retwisted about every two months. And at that, at my retwisting, I have an apple cider vinegar rinse done. Yeah, I've heard those are really they're, good. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. It's, it's all, you know, very basic ingredients, not a bunch of extra stuff in there. And it gets in there and, and it, it's gross when you look at the water after they rinsed your hair. Um, but mm-hmm. who, who, do you, uh, who do you go to? I used to go to a, um, um, a stylist. Her name is Maisha Meeks here in um, Las Colinas. But ever since everything happened, uh, she's changed locations, and I'm not entirely sure where she is. Uh, and so now I see a girl whose name is Michaela um, in Arlington. Yeah, uh, there's a, a retwist, a lock shop called Dottie's, and it's really good. And they have the uh, uh, um, apple cider vinegar shampoo rinse, too. So that's why I asked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man, Absolutely. and giving me your time. It's been my so pleasure. It's, it's been, yeah, it's been really fun. And have a great rest of your you day. You do the same. Thank you so much. Um, where should I look to see this published, if, if ever? It's going to be published at the middle of next month on Spotify and really all platforms. Sweet. But I push Spotify because they play more. Right. <laughs> they pay more. I so. love that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think you're doing great work, man, and I appreciate you having me on. Uh, No problem. See you later. Take care.